Welcome back to the Eagleless Podcast. I've got world-famous comedian Adam Hunter. He was on Last Comic Standing. If you look him up online, it says he is the one of the hottest comics out there. And they're not just talking about his comedic skills. Host of the number one comedy MMA uh, podcast, MMA Roasted, Adam Hunter. Thanks for being on here, bro. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I know uh, your time is time is short, so dude, I'm just going to start, you know, rapid firing these firing these questions. You know, one of my big sayings is that who you are is more important than, than what you do. If I was going to be making teddy bears for a living, I would be the best that I could at that because it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And you're doing things that a lot of other uh, comedians aren't doing. They they've just got they've just got one one track. Um, but as I'm looking at your at your bio, you know, you were a four time four time wrestling champion. That wrestling doesn't go hand in hand with comedy. How did you go from being a four time champion into to comedy? I mean, it it does go a lot hand in hand in comedy, and it like there's a lot of similarities actually because. You have to depend on yourself. You know, it's, it's just you out there. Um, you're as good as you want to be. Um, the effort that you put in will directly reflect how well you do. Um, as far as like wrestling goes, I wasn't the most talented wrestler, but I just was showing up early. I stayed late. I worked hard. I went to wrestling camps. So did it all year round. And then eventually, like, I just became tougher and better than everyone else that I wrestled against. Not, not everyone, but most people. And same goes for comedy. It's just, uh, you know, stand-up comedy is just, it's really how, how hard you, you work, how many times you go up on stage a week, how, how many jokes you have, the quality of jokes you have, how much time you're putting into these jokes. You know, uh, are you making the jokes funny? Are you working on them? How's your repetition? Laughs per minute. There's a lot of similarities. And also sometimes like you'll be wrestling somebody or I would be wrestling somebody and the dude was, just obviously better than me. I mean, he was bigger, stronger, faster. Um, but I had to like exploit one thing in him that I could do better than him in order to win the match. And same thing goes for comedy. And a lot of times you're on stage and people are just not laughing. You know, you're, you're up there two minutes, five minutes, six, and you got to do 45 minutes to an hour. Like, what do I got to do to change this, this course? Um, and it's a lot of problem solving and, you know, figuring out on the fly what you need to do, what buttons you need to do to get better. Um, as far as like how I got into it, well, you know, I, I, when I was younger, I got into a lot of, had a lot of issues as far as like my mom left when I was a kid and I, I just, um, I haven't seen her since I was three years old and I was pretty, a pretty angry kid and had a stepmother that we didn't get along at all. And I just was, didn't really have a lot of confidence and started hanging out with the wrong crowd and doing the wrong things and got into this, uh, this boarding school in Maine which really focused on character development and making you a better person. And, and really like you, like you said, you know, if you're going to sell teddy bears, be the best teddy bear. And it, it was basically like how much effort you put into something is more valuable than what the achievement is. Eventually the achievement will come. It was all about also making the world a better place. Like what's going to fulfill you as a, as a human being. So when I, I wrestled in college and I, I just, I, I didn't really, I wasn't very happy when I got there and I, I just kind of got burned out and I was cutting too much weight and, my ego was actually too big and I wasn't starting on the team. And so I, I went down a weight class that I shouldn't have. I'm losing 20 pounds a week and yada, yada. I just kind of just quit the team. I just, and then when I quit, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll get, become a talk show host because it was a talk show that I used to watch. Just like funny show where you could prank the, the people on the show. You weren't supposed to, but so I, I went up, got my own talk show on television, on Binghamton television and pretending to learn the, 
I pretended to learn like the things and then I went down there called D's nuts. And I had like a bunch of my friends who, 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 uh, who uh, wrestled and some Budweiser model and people were just, it was uncensored and people were just calling in saying some of the meanest things ever, but it was a lot of fun. I was laughing. They were like, are you vanilla ice or Corey Haim or, you know, this, that and we had, so it ended up like causing a riot on campus and I ended up getting sued for $20 million. That, that's a long, that might take up the entire podcast if I tell a story, but it was the most fun I've ever had was being a talk show host. But I was like, after that, I'm like, I want to be a comedian. So I was living in New York and I dropped out of college and I was, uh, I took a couple comedy classes and open mics. And now 23 years later, I'm still a comic and I've been on the Tonight Show, the last comic standing. And, <laughs> so, and I, cause I do, I, I honestly, I did not think about that at all because so I grew up wrestling. And my dad was, you know, my dad was a big wrestler. Um, I mean, I got pictures with Dan Gable, met Randy Couture at the 2000, uh, you know, Olympic trials. Like that's all, dude, all, that's all we did is eat, sleep and breathe wrestling. And, and you're right. Cause I didn't think about it like that, but it does, it makes you a different kind of person. You know, I remember being like eight years old and my dad, you know, everybody's eating my birthday cake on my birthday, except for me. You know what I mean? Wow. Like they're like, you know, no, you, you know, you're not going to do it. And then, you know, sitting at weight, you know, sitting at weigh-ins and I'm a pound over like you got to sit on the toilet until like, until you make weight, right. to, you know, to come back. And then, you know, even dude, even having to like get down to my underwear in front of all these, you know, all these people, like that was like traumatic as a kid. Uh, and that's why I ended up getting out of it. Uh, but dude, it, it, it does like the same, you know, the same disciplines and things um, do, do, do correlate. I didn't even, I didn't even see that for, for me, one of the, you know, one of the biggest things like do that, the discipline that you, that you've got, you know, that mental discipline, because like, if you're up there for 45 minutes uh, and you got people booing, how did you how did you develop that mental discipline to be up there just to keep going? Because I was even even when I was there, right? Uh, the the comic before you was was not that funny. And Naples is a tough crowd, dude. I mean, they're like average age. They call it Heaven's Waiting Room because the average age <laughs> is like eighty years old. And for a you know for a a, a comedian to to make everybody laugh, they're like, dude, you kept going with it. And about five minutes in, it just it just took off. How did you develop that mental discipline uh, to keep doing that? I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, every comic, I think it's like one of the hardest things to do is just to, is to have confidence in yourself. Like the first time you get like a laugh, it's like almost like a drug shoots through you and then you get addicted because you're like, wow, this is the greatest feeling. I'm, I'm responsible for people having a good time and people are, people are laughing and they're, and, and then, then the, the more you do it, you're seeing people cry because they're laughing so hard or they're like, oh, my face hurt, you know, or man, I was having the worst day ever. And I got some horrible medical, uh, I had some horrible, horrible medical news and I went to the, the club and you cheered me up. So it's stuff like that, but you're just like, so it's amazing. But I, I mean, there's really not a good comic out there that hasn't bombed. And, you know, the good thing about comedy is how, well, except for during pandemics, but is how accessible the, the stage is. So, you know, you could bomb on Tuesday, but you have another show Wednesday. Sometimes you could bomb on Tuesday at eight o'clock and you have a show at 10 o'clock, you know, so you could get over it. It's harder for like a, let's say a fighter who fights every six months and gets knocked out. Now he has to wait six months to prove that he can do, do well again, you know? So the good part is like how quick it is. And sometimes it's harder when you get like bigger opportunities and you bomb, like if you bomb on television and you can't really go back, but I don't know. It's just, uh, you just gotta, it's just toughness, it's thick, thick skin. It's, it's not letting it get to you. You know, in the beginning, it's really hard because 
you know, the, the clubs that I was performing at weren't necessarily the clubs that were going to appreciate my comedy the, the most, you know? I mean, I, I was, when I started doing comedy, I was doing comedy in laundromats. People were doing laundry while I was telling jokes. And then supermarkets, you know, like in front of the express lanes. And then it was uh, Times Square, you know, all tourists. A lot of them even didn't, didn't speak English or they didn't have like a common language or, you know, any kind of local reference was not going to work. You had to have a joke that was so broad, everyone would get it. Or I would do certain like the Puerto Rican comedy night and I would be the only white guy or the all black comedy show. I was just, just getting where they, would, where they would take you, but not necessarily where you would do with the best, you know? And then eventually, but that's just how it goes. And, you know, the good thing about comedy is it's sort of like in that movie, I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark or maybe Temple of Doom when Indiana Jones has to like get that like crystal yep. and it's like the hardest thing ever. And there's like invisible stairs show up. And then that's kind of what comedy is. Like there's no, there's no rhyme or reason why people make it. Sometimes people make it too early. Sometimes too late. Some people will never make it and they're hilarious. And there's no guarantees. It's not like, you know, medical school where, you know, you are becoming a doctor where you graduate and then you go to med school and then you get, you know, you're in an internship and then you become a doctor. And then if you normally, if you're a doctor, you're going to get good pay or decent pay. Whereas you can do comedy for 50 years and never be good. And you could do comedy for three years, but you're on the right podcast or sitcom or movie. And all of a sudden you're like a major draw. Now, you know, the thing is, is that eventually, you know, things catch up to you. Like there's comics that have done really well financially, but they haven't really done the work. And once their their thing runs out, whether it's like a platform, like let's say they were big on Vine or you know TikTok or something, and then now they have to go back and it's like they didn't do the work, and then that's going to show. You know, it's it's just a matter of just having a lot of nerve, having a lot of gall, and having a lot of belief, but also being stubborn. You know. No, uh, and, I th- and I think because like so people look at people look at the platform and they want to be oh like I I want that, but they didn't even start out like at, at the small beginnings. Like you started, I mean, you started in the laundromat, right. Where you, you know, you couldn't get booked there, but you, but you started in the laundromat. And I think, I think that's the biggest, the biggest difference maker right now, because with everything going on, I mean, you're doing zoom, you know, zoom comedy when, you know, everything's shut down. Like that's hard because, you know, comedy is not just about telling a funny joke, but it's about the atmosphere. And so like that, that's what I like because you're not only just like, you're not doing just one thing. You're, you got the MMA roasted, you've got, uh, you know, the, the Fox um, MMA awards, like all of that, all of that stuff. You've got, you've got like what, four five, six different things going plus TV shows. Did yeah. You, now, did you just develop, did you just like just say, hey, I don't want to just do the, just this one thing. I want to kind of be able to branch out or how did that come about? I mean, a lot of it is, you know, unfortunately, the way the business is, it's almost really hard. It used to be like, you know, people will talk, talk to you about like the golden age of comedy where like in the 80s, you could make a living like just being a comic. I don't know if that's true. I didn't really live that that time, but that's what like people say. And then, you know, so much of it is like drawing power now um, where it's like how many like asses and seats, how many people are going to come to see you? And, you know, Unfortunately and fortunately, it's got, it's got its positives and negatives. It's like, you know, podcasting is a big way to get people to come to shows, you know. Um, also is, you know, 
the internet and or Instagram or whatever. Um, I just like to do things that like, you know, like I coach wrestling for little kids. Like I, I love coaching, coaching for 13 years, started a program, started a high school program. And there were like so many funny moments that I would tell my friends about like, this is a TV show, a TV show. So I went out and like crowdsourced and came up and shot my own television show called Pint about a wrestling, about a comedian who's a wrestling coach. And now I'm trying to sell that, you know? Um, some of my best moments doing comedy were just when people did not want to see comedy. Cause I've done so many terrible shows where like, you'd be at a bar and it'd be game seven and it's an overtime between the Lakers and the whoever. And then they turn off the TV and they go time for jokes, which is like, could not be a worse time. And everyone's mad and pissed, but it was some of the most funny or memorable. And I've done shows in boxing rings in between fights. I mean, I've done shows at a wedding where I got attacked by. I watched, uh, dude, I watched it. That guy came out. Of, I, I yeah. was like, looking. I was like, is that, is that stage? And I was like, no, that guy was legitimately pissed. No. Yeah. And that got like, you know, millions of hits. So because of all these ridiculous situations that, Unfortunately, I felt like people were not privy to because they were only seeing like the end result. You know, like they were, um, they were only seeing the, the show on Comedy Central, the, the comic in front. I'm like, man, th this needs to be a show. So I went out and started like a show called Kamikaze Comedy, where it's comedy where people don't expect it or then it kind of morphs into ambush stand up. So like those clips are out. You know, so a lot of it is just like things that I believe in um, you know, I'm a big MMA fan. I love MMA. I was writing for John Heffron, who, who was hosting MMA awards. And I came up with a bunch of sketches that were, like went viral. I uh, wrote like the, the Randy, I mean, uh, the Daniel Cormier singing all about that cake yeah. and chicken. I got like 40 million hits and Ben Askren singing this and, and then, uh, Woodley and Brandy Couture doing, uh, I'm going to take my gloves to the octagon to the old town road. And that got millions of hits. So, that just like kind of led to a job with Fox sports and with the UFC and with the PFL. So it's just like, I've, just, I've been able to kind of take my like passions and getting jobs for them. I mean, so, and that's, that's, that's fun. It's a blessing. Now it's like, this year has been tough because like I was supposed to write all the sketches for the MMA awards and that got canceled July 4th or moved to October. I was, had a job with the PFL. The whole season got postponed. Um, all my comedy gigs, uh, like my 20 comedy dates got canceled. I was supposed to go to China for the second time, uh, in September, I was supposed to go to Australia in November. So that's, it's been kind of a, it's been a tough, um, quarantine as far as business goes, but luckily some other things came up and I'm spending the time with my family and my, my, my daughter and my, my wife. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, luckily you're, you're in a position where you've got those other things going like it's it probably is, is tough but i mean you know the way you do anything is the way that you do everything so it's like you're gonna you know you're gonna succeed you succeed in mma all that you know and everything so i think that's incredible my last question to you is is comedy dead in this cancel culture because you have to be very very um careful like so if you get on the internet right now so you can get on google and you could you you could type in white people jokes you can type in, you know, you can type in, uh, you know, whatever you, Christian jokes, Muslim jokes, Mormon jokes, and all kinds of jokes will pop up, right? If you type in, and I'm, you know, I'm not against it or anything at all, but if you type in online uh, gay jokes or transgender jokes, they don't pull, you can't pull anything up on Google. Nothing pulls up. And you look at cancel culture now to where it's like comedy, everybody, I mean, I mean, dude, I, I can, you know, I make fun of myself. Like, 
there's, you know, it's, that's what comedy is to where do you feel like comedy is slowly, is slowly dying? And how do you, how do you, um, uh, I don't think that the comedy is dying. I think the medium where you do it, you have to just like, you know, I think that uh, like stand up comedy in comedy clubs is a safe haven for those kind of jokes, you know, as long as they're funny. I think a lot of comedy clubs, the ones that I play at, somebody goes there, somebody makes a gay joke, you know, the gay guy goes to the, goes to the owner, hey, the guy made it, like, whatever. Like, a lot of times they have, they'll have a warning before the show. Like, hey, just so you know, you may hear some things that you may not, that may be offensive, like, no money back. So I don't think that comedy's dead there. I think that comedy is dead on the, on Twitter, or Instagram or TikTok. Like if I, if I make a gay joke on TikTok or Twitter or Facebook, people can get offended. But that's because if you look at it, unless my tweets are protected and I know exactly who is, is on my feed, that joke you told to everybody. So when you tell a joke to everybody, it's like you're kind of, everyone gets a fucking say. Yeah. Which is, un which is really unfortunate. Because, so what if it offended you? It's like, that's what kind of what humor is supposed to do, you know? Yeah. You know, when I was at the comedy club, uh, like, you know, you made fun of my suit that I was wearing. But, like, that was the, that was the point of me wearing the suit. You know what I mean? It was and a brilliant when, But when you look at, like, cancel culture now with, uh, you know, with the coronavirus, like, stand-up, you know, with everything being closed, it could happen again. So it's like those people are cut off. And, that, and that's what I mean because when you – if you're in that cancel culture – and you know, you know, you canceled on Twitter and all these these places. You really don't have a platform and a way of doing anything. Yeah, no, I mean, it sucks. It sucks. Um, it it does suck. And like, to have to go for comics now to have to go look at all their tweets from day one and delete anything someone might offensive is like, it's it sucks. I mean, it's 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 not fun, and it's also like who, great. Like, what do people have? What do, what did people achieve from that? Like, like you, you haven't made the world a better place by making people not laugh, you know, and what offends somebody and people get offended about jokes about ketchup. I mean, it's just, it's like, you, you don't know what's going to offend people. You know, oh, you know, my cousin died from ketchup. Well, that's not, it wasn't about your cousin, you know? So it, it's like, to me, it, it is sad that people are not mature enough to, to look at a joke, hear a joke and be like, okay, that wasn't for me, but you know, I, but so now I'm going to get that person fired or try to. Um, but I think enough people are just going, you know what? Fuck this. Plus a lot of comics. The problem is like the good thing about comedians is like, who are you going to cancel them from? Unless they're on a TV show exactly. or, you know, now cancel culture also is, there's a difference. I mean, like, you know, some people get, allegations of like raped or if they get charged of rape or charged with statutory rape or trying to fuck you know whatever kids that's not really cancel culture that's like breaking the law yeah i mean i mean i mean if it's proven if it's proven they did that thing you know i'm not saying if you get a let if you get accused of something you know to, but to me cancel culture would be like when kevin hart made a joke that wasn't that funny but it was a joke and he said, you know, if my kid's gay, I'm going to hit him in the head. It was a fucking joke. Maybe it didn't land. You know, the problem also with jokes is that for every 10 jokes you tell, maybe three will work, which means seven won't. 
seven of those jokes are not going to land for whatever reason. And, 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 and ask, what, let me ask you a question real quick on that. When you talk about like, you know, with Kevin, with Kevin Hart, because dude, at first he stood his ground. He's like, you know what? Hey, it was a joke. Like, I, you know, I'm cool with, you know, cool with this. Uh, no problems. A joke. I'm not going to apologize for a joke. And like stood, stood his ground, which is just like, Hey, you know, like it, that's, that's what I, you know, I would have done. And, but then it got to a point to where he had to come in and apologize even though he had already like, you know, told people, Hey, like there's no, there's no uh, issues against uh, you know, what, you know, whatsoever, but he had to come back and apologize. Um, and you've seen his team really pushing him, you know, pushing him hard. And like that, to me, it's like, dang it, you know, I don't want to be so controlled by uh, people, but then at the, but at the end of the day, when that's your audience, like, what else are you going to do? Well, I think what happened probably was he was doing the math and like his people probably said, Hey, listen, if you don't apologize, we're going to lose X, Y, Z, and that's going to be $10 million so, or $20 million or whatever the number was. And he probably just figured, all right, apologize and keep the money or uh, don't apologize and lose the money. What's, what's more important, you know? And then when, you, when you're trying to put, you know, your whole family through the school or whatever he's doing, you know, probably did the math. I mean, there's a lot of jokes that I, I'll, I'll make like that. You go, you know. You go, all right, this is funny, but to w at what expense? Yeah. You know, and that, that's the worst, though, because then you're not thinking of making people laugh. You're thinking about who am I not going to offend? And the problem is the people that, like, come at you and try to get you fired never apologize if, if they're wrong. They just move on to someone else, the, the quote-unquote mob. And then also the people that are offended, they're not your fans anyway. No, I, I, heard, a, I heard a stat that 60% of all Twitter accounts – are, are bots 60%, you know, yeah. pushing, pushing agendas to where it's like, you know, you get on, I mean, I look on like, I, I I'm in the data sector. So I know, I know about data and I mean, there's, there's off India sites to where, Hey, you know, you can buy 10,000 uh, Twitter accounts that look like real people that can go tweet out and do um, whatever it is that you, you know, that, that you want them to, to do. If you want them to, Hey, you want to blast somebody, they're going to blast somebody. And we, I mean, look, I mean, we're in a day and age where the internet is becoming more real than reality and it's going to keep going that way. I mean, did you look at, you look at the show Catfish, right? People are falling in love with somebody texting back. That's not even the person. Um, I mean, like for me, it was like, once I started meeting some of the people that were insulting me, I felt a lot better about my, my own life, you know? Um, Cause I was like, you, you always think like the person that's criticizing you, or at least I did at first was like, just a really smart human being with a, a, you know, a wife or a boyfriend or husband and kids. And they, they're, they live in this mansion and, and they're just like this great people. And they just, you're coming after me. And then when I would meet the people in, in, in person, I'm like, this is the most like disturbing looking human being ever. I look like I hadn't showered in like months and, and, and like, you're like just yellow teeth and they're, and they're just out of shape. And, and like, you're like, wait, this is the person who's, who's I was worried about the whole time. Like this is the person that was judging me, you know? Um, and that was fucking me up. So that made, in, in some ways made me feel better because I was like, all right, you know, like before I, let me do a little research, but that's, you know, that's on both sides. I mean, I know people that like all day long, they talk about how much they, Donald Trump is the worst Donald Trump's a, a cheater on his wife. And these are people that cheat, that I know cheat on their wives. I know people that are banned from comedy clubs for like groping women that are trying to get him fired. And I'm not defending Donald Trump. 
okay? I'm not. But I'm saying like, I'm like, whoa, like you're banned from comedy clubs for literally taking pictures of women and trying to stick your fingers down their, their, their skirts, whatever. And you're blasting this dude's character. And I'm like, what, like, are we not? So a lot of times it's, it's a lot easier to, and I, but I think that's also what pisses people off the most um, on the right uh, is when they get lectured by celebrities. It's like when Ellen DeGeneres lectures people on being a good person and then it comes out that she won't take a picture with a handicapped kid because she doesn't take photos of handicapped kids, you know? Or, you know, hey, Ellen DeGeneres is, you know, and I, this is all allegations, but she's like, hey, do the right thing and be this and be that, but then she won't look, but then you don't have to look her in the eye. And you have she's, to chew gum. she's about to cancel her show. What I mean, from I mean what you, I've been... you have to chew gum before you talk to her exactly. because she doesn't want to smell your breath. I mean, that's the kind of person who's lecturing you on kindness. And I think that's what pips people off. It's, and that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to be a celebrity and you are a celebrity, you have a voice before you start like telling everyone how to live their lives, maybe get your own life in check and maybe just, and, and maybe, you know, maybe show people how to live their life through your actions, but no, not that's, through, that's, that's not it, it, it seems like, dude, with, especially with like celebrities and things like that, it seems like there is an epidemic when it comes to like unchecked power. And what I mean by that is like, you look at these people who are, who feel like they are powerful. It's like, those people were good at one point, but like, what the heck happened? Did you look at, like, you look at uh, you know, people in the, the Catholic church, like the high up priests, and it's like the scams yeah. going on, like what, like what in the world is going on? But it's these people. And as I was, you know, like hearing uh, stories, it's like, well, you know, when they would ask me something, you know, we felt like it was like God asking us because of the, but the power. And then you say, then the same thing with these celebrities. It's like, dude, once people get power, like they get weird. Really yeah. Weird. They get, they get weird. And I think they get like, uh, I mean, one of the, one of the good things about being a comic is that every day I have to like talk to people of all different economic, you know, backgrounds and all walks of life and make them laugh. Whether it's shows for homeless people or home shows for blind people or shows for billionaires or shows for battered women. So I, I really got to like, on some level, connect with these people, you know? Um, and that, that kind of opens my eyes. And I'm not saying I'm better than the people, but I'm saying it's the kind of job that like, you know, I, I'm not flying, you know, private jets around the world and staying at, you know, you know, 12 star fucking hotels. I'm staying at like, you know, motel sixes and sometimes like, you know, whatever. And, and, but it, but it forces me to really like see how people are. And it also forces me to kind of, you know, look at myself and yada, yada. I think a lot of times when you have like actors or musicians, and they get to a certain point or even comics. And then they don't have to like interact with anybody anymore. That, no, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, they don't have to. They just, so they just interact with people like, they think that it's normal for everyone to have Teslas and to drop 30 grand on dinner or, or to be, to say one thing and mean the other. And then they just lose focus of like, what the fuck the rest of the world's doing. Like what's act like what's actually going on too, and because when you look at, you know, when they have when they are out of touch with reality, it's like why are like why are we taking our, um, you, you know, what what to do like taking advice from people who are so out of touch with reality have no idea what's going on, but they know hey if I don't talk this certain way or do this like, 
you, I'm going to have cancel culture when it comes to like acting and things like that. So they're pushing this agenda. And it's like, for me, it's like, why don't people wake up and see things like, Hey, go just research it for yourself. I'm not pushing, you know, one agenda or another, just research something for your else. Yeah, no, totally. You know, somebody who makes uh, a candle who smells like her vagina. Right. Like, it's <laughs> like, if, if somebody, if my neighbor did that and was like, Hey, I'm your neighbor. And I want to let you know, I made a candle that smelled like my vagina. Uh, I'd be like, you're freaking crazy. But because of, you know, somebody's famous, we're like, Oh, that's, she's an artist. Like that's not art. That's weird. It, and I think, I think athletes get to that point too. I think people, I mean, the good thing about fighters that I talk to is that they go back to practice and getting the shit kicked out of them. So most of them like get humbled day, day in and day out, you know, so that they, they kind of don't lose focus of that. I mean, even, but, even same thing with Conor McGregor, where we thought he was like arrogant and all this stuff. Like that dude had like all the, you know, the crap that that dude had to put up with, you know, with that image that he was portraying, like it, it had to keep him humble. Yeah. Like not humble, humble, but you, like it's still, it's still checked to where it's not like he can just do anything, but dude, well, I know you, I know you, uh, you probably got to run. I'll do whatever I can to get you back on to do like a, a part. Two. Anytime, man. Anytime. Where, where can people find you? Find me find at, at, at Adam comedian on Instagram at Adam comedian on Twitter. If you're an MMA fan at MMA roasted and at MMA and MMA roasted podcast. Awesome, man. Dude, I appreciate you, bro. I look Thank forward you, to man. Thank you, friend, bro. Thanks, Jake. Let's, let's definitely stay in touch. All right, man. See ya. Get your ego out the